Good morning and welcome. This is Tevo Diarcy of Tevo Creative Leadership and the home of the Apostolic DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship for males and females, all races, giving the word of the Lord, present day word basically, to the leaders of the body of Christ, Christians of the Ye Must Be Born Again community. Of course, all others are welcome, invited, and fully respected, but you've got to hear God and pray about it but we're and evaluate it, but we're going to direct the message to the Christian, the Christ follower specifically. I was struck with the memory of my mom. My mom was a senior pastor's wife. They didn't call her the pastor back then in the Baptist day, the Southern Baptists. And so she had been a Presbyterian and they came from a line of scholars where they really studied the Bible and they were led by the inward witness. My grandmother, her mother was a Bible teacher and had taught herself uh, Greek and Hebrew, had enrolled in a woman's college and graduated in two years, but was just like the normal natural person, happy and a prayer warrior, but a merry one. And I came down from a lot of merry hearts that were quality thinkers and were not easily swayed by the common fads and fancies of the day or the teachings. And so maybe that's where it comes from. But I always knew that there is true and false and then there was the holy fear of the Lord it wasn't talked about but it was just reverential like Billy Graham that's the holy fear of the Lord if you want to go to see Christian ministry anybody anywhere Google Billy Graham and watch a couple of his old messages you will get a total different tone flavor and anointing that's right then right now most places it's highly amazing so we go back and say by God's grace I had a happy home two-parent home it wasn't a nightmare, though I did experience some of that later, but it wasn't in my, and that happy home or emotional love tank that was healthy and good memories and calm, respected, cherished, along with my sister, a couple of grandmothers that would visit from time to time and be a part of the household, gave me a balance to help people know that it's by grace, but also it's not by works that we get anything. Parents or no parents, and I had grace to have two parents, but now I can know at least what love is, the feeling of normal, quality, natural, in Christ's following ministry. That didn't mean it's perfect. That didn't mean I know it all or even know as much as a lot of you. But I want to say that it helps when you're ministering in a relationship sense, abiding relationship in your family, with harmony, with fellowship, with the saints, Hebrews 10:25, And then it helps you to know when it's not harmonious, when it's not reflecting organic, Bible organic New Testament. And by organic, we mean just like the organic food. It Organic means there are no human synthetic additives. So we're searching that, letting God search our soul, our heart, our doctrine. And then we are on the lookout for true doctrine and quality doctrine everywhere. And there's a lot of it, leader doctrine. The issue is that when you find some hay amongst the stubble, that's bad. When you find stubble amongst the hay, that's pretty normal. But if there's too much stubble, then you do your doctrinal inquiry. Be a noble Berean. B-Y-O-B. Bring your own Bible and do your part. I would allude, I would make that akin to working out your own salvation at this point. I would do that. I really would. If you feel a red flag buzzword in your heart from the Holy Spirit, if you're a minister or a layperson, leader, I would really research and ask God and inquire, do Bible research. Is it back under the law? Is it uh, he said, she said, passed down tradition, 
legalism or anything like that. So we're in for cleaning up our doctrine. I also want to point out that the scripture says in Isaiah, those who erred in spirit shall come to understanding. Those who murmured shall learn doctrine. I don't know about you, but in my whole life, my entire life, I've never heard so much complaining and murmuring in leadership and family and churches and religion online. I mean, it's just a murmuring nation. And if you think that the body of Christ is sent to be the salt of the earth in the nation and affect society, then something's chaotic. The idea is that we want to hear God and hear God specifically. The other scripture in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 8, you'll have to Google these, but it says, when do we start to teach doctrine? When do we start to teach doctrine? We teach it as soon as the babies wean from the breast, is what it says. You can find that for yourself and test it out. So let us go back to, quote, the church, fellowshipping with the saints, going to a church, being a member of the church. And what is it? Why is it not, not all it's cracked up to be at this present time? God's allowed a lot of things, a few things to slip by, but I believe that this is very toward the end of the last move of God. And we need to get it back to a first church as possible without the legalism, without the law, without, and also have insight that back then they were teaching with no Bible, no pre-pastor generation, no one to bounce things off of, no written oracle of the New Testament like we have Paul. The first, the epistles of Paul as well as the gospels. So therefore they had to choose, my opinion now, I'm giving you my opinion, they had to choose only what Holy Spirit revealed to them and told them to do and operate in in for that day. The culture was diverse. Asia Minor, Judah, you know, the Jewish religion, the Caucasians were really not there as much as the Middle Easterners and all the Asians and the Africans. So it was a lot diverse and a lot of opinions and the Baal worshippers and the like. People seeking and it was the hotbed of the whole earth for religion, it turns out. Arabs and Jew, Muslim and Christian, all those things. So we have to give them, give in our teaching a wisdom that says, and a mature that says, yes, Paul did say, for instance, women do not speak in the church, but we want to analyze why that was so then. We also found out that back under the law, though they didn't teach it, if a man had long hair, he was that was wrong before the, that was a sin. If they had tattoos, piercings, that would be a sin in the Old Testament law, just like the women speaking in church. Women were like chattel then, especially, especially the Gentile women. They came out of all sorts of things. Anybody who's not a Jew in the Old Testament and now is a Gentile, whether they're Arab, whether they are Russian, whether they were back then Roman, the all the different kinds. So we want to say that if Paul had a group of people and he had to quickly, because he was human, with no TV, no prior groups, no Bible study setups, and no one to, you know, say, here, come teach this, or he had to do it with Holy Spirit, so did the churches, then he had to pick his battles. And the battle was, let's get the doctrine out about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. Let's get it organic and fresh how you move in the spirit, how the home is basically set up. 
And we're for chain of command. Ephesians 5.21, 5.22 is how I was raised. Ephesians 5.21 says, In the home, in ministry, in life, in the Christian sense, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. And in my opinion, the husband's the tiebreaker. If there is a husband in the home, if not, it's the female or male that is the head of the home. People are missing gaps. All right, therefore, once you have that established, it's pretty easy. Hey, if there's a need for a tiebreaker and we can't really agree, the husband goes off like Adam did before Eve was formed, talks with God privately, comes back with a solution, and they abide by it. The woman has an opinion. The woman has a voice. But and then if to avoid accusation is to avoid relationship breakup, deletion. Then there has to be some kind of negotiation and everyone if we just abide if we just know about abiding each one ourself a checkpoint of our own temperament our own temper our own attitude our own actions and verbiage if we say am i abiding is it possible in this situation for me to abide with my neighbor my husband my wife my adversary my fellowship is it possible for each one of us but especially me to abide in James 3.17 relationship fruit during this time of testing and pressure. All right, and that is the wisdom that comes from above has this fruit, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality, without hypocrisy. All right, the other part is the fruit. What is the fruit in that verse? It is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, temperance. Temper, temperance means self-control. Keeping oneself under self-government, which is the root of every government on the earth, including church, fellowship, government, is really back to the human being know how to keep self-government with God's help. His mercy to have strength under control and then to go out on that to teach authority what is, who's the authority in every group, line upon line, observe boundaries, submit to each other in Ephesians 5.21, Ephesians 1, 2, and Ephesians 4, excuse me, 1 through 3, mutual submission, as well as humility, like Paul says. And then having oversight will not be such a huge, big deal, and there won't be all the legalism fads and fancies of teaching like Western European Levitical Patriarch. I've been on the soapbox, I understand it, uh, back in the law and also people using people and people being dominated. They will know. And so I'm teaching things like that are pretty out there because it's so red flag time to really analyze what's going on in, in what they call the church now, the churches, fellowshipping with the saints. Why did I used to like to go? Well, I'm very selective and careful where I allow myself to go now. And yet there's some good fruit coming out right now of new moves. Man, there's some wonderful ones I enjoy. So there's always going to be God reasserting himself in the remnant, the godly remnant. And that remnant could be part of a church. It could be part of the Catholic church, part of the Methodist, part of the Christian community or not. And everyone has to evaluate it by relationship fruit, abiding in 317 or not. That's my theory. And then to avoid the what I taught on in another podcast just recently about the two from such turn away fellowships that are in the Bible at a command by Paul. Second Timothy 1 through 3, at its worst, when you've tried your best, you've prayed, you've tried to forgive, it's caustic to your family and it's depleting you. Then you from such turn away. 
The second one is 1 Timothy 6, 6. And it says if they have all this kind of weird behavior in the relationships, envy, rivalry, love of money, thinking that equating blessing with money, that uh, you're not blessed unless you got big bucks. You're not blessed unless you got bucks. Twisted, perverted, over, you know, wrong prosperity. Then it says from such turn away command. And we have. I said, and I'm going to do this because I need to repeat it. Our version of organic Bible prosperity and who is prosperous, what is prosperity in ministry is this. First Timothy 6, 7, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's my opinion, my version of it. The next part would be individual person and their conscience before the Lord without greed, without lust for other things, without materialism, and without covetousness. That is the way. If God tells you to do that, get that much, have that house, give that car, give it away, not have anything, that is not my business, it's yours. I believe in MYOB now more than ever in my life for the Christian community and in leadership. So we, the thing is that people are not, they're scattered and they're, they're afraid. They really don't know exactly what truth is, who God is, what Jesus, who Jesus is, why he came, why even go to church, and then why, what is ministry supposed to be? Is it pomp, circumstance, lording over your title? Is it about... You know, being a Pharisee, accusing, keeping tabs, and watch over everybody in your area to see if they go to church, if they're church hoppers. That is huge. I'm sorry, I say it a lot, but it is huge at the grassroots. People got to know everybody's stuff. My opinion is the missing links are relationship theology, abiding relationship theology, relationshiptheology.org. All right, that would mean that you, MYOB, if you are that concerned that they are that sinful, and it is your business as a leader or a lay, young or old, then you politely, respectfully to honor them in the relationship before God. You call them up, you Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17, that means you make a one-to-one -one appointment and inquire, confront respectfully, never demean, never accuse, never attack, because simply you've assessed, not accused or judged, you've assessed they may have missed the mark and it's done something wrong to you. All right, the second one is Galatians 6, 1. If you see, as an elder, if you see anyone in sin, then you are to confront them personally, one-to-one, -one, respectfully and meekly, humbly, just in case, and it says this, just in case you are tempted by the same sin later. I think we're really watching it, watching for relationships right now. It's more important. This is a lot more important than materialism, success, going to the next level, moving this and that. It's about Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord and the fear of the Lord as well. When I was growing up, my mother would, my mom was a, a riot. She could be very strong-willed, an authoritarian streak. My dad was not like that. But mom had a great heart and a great soul and a, a merry heart and had come down from happy parents as well. She was not abusive, but she, she was strict at certain times, mostly about how I looked. <laughs> but anyway, but she had to prove her dominance because I was the firstborn, and I guess I was strong-willed. But I tried. She had so much power that I was afraid to, you know, to, to have any differing of opinion, not with my dad or my grandmother or anybody else, but around mom is like, wow. So 
that was a good point, but a bad point. That's a leader point. Don't be too strict. Next point, don't make your children afraid to tell you things, which I was. I used to be until she got older. I mellowed. She mellowed. Everything was fine toward the end. But the idea is that she would say things that were really wise and very mature. She was healthy. Nobody gossiped. Nobody was racist. Nobody was talking about the people at the church when they had a church or in the community or any other group in their private life. I never heard a bad word said. So they were really wonderful Christians, true Christians, often off the stage of the pulpit. Well, Mom said a comment through the years more than once. She said, you know, I noticed that when one group that is disfavored, a brand new move of God starts, a brand new bunch of people with a new kind of teaching come on the scene, be it's Holy Spirit or Bible teaching or whatever. She didn't call it apostolic ministry, but when the new apostles come to town, they are usually, by the chief apostles who are already in place, the people that are already in, you know, the ministry and known, it's human nature to be suspicious of the new breed. So the new people are the outcasts when they come on the scene through the years, every generation of ministries will start off with the lowest of the low, somebody in a field getting the new word of the Lord and being called to leadership and it won't be pronounced or anybody recognize it like Jesus when he came to town. Nobody thought he was the one that would be the whole Messiah. He was too simple. He was just born of the tribe of Judah, a Levi, not a Levi, but Judah, an agricultural carpenter's son, much less the son of God. But the idea that people were unsuspecting because he was born in the manger, he wasn't no fanfare, no wildness, celebrating, oh, it is the Christ, you must bow down. So it was a grace thing, a, a secret thing, and he developed and he had his warfare. The other generation already there in place, the Pharisees were the accusers, so were the Sadducees. Why? Because the spiritual realm, they felt threatened, they felt fear, they felt somebody's going to usurp us, somebody's going to take our system and down because we know we finally got the money coming in, rolling in on a regular basis, the people are in awe of us, they respect us, we like the perks, the fanfare, the pomp and circumstances, and that is generational ministry at, in certain places. We assess it as a real deal. We've been around since the 80s on up when moves started, prior to moves, prior to now the moves, really starting with Jesus people, Billy Graham, Jesus people, then the charismatic movement started, unfolding word of faith, worship started, uh, ba barely, and then it, like Jesus people came out of, from California, and then it got more Hosanna integrity. Now it's prophetic, and all these different ones. Jesus culture out there, and I've been around them, and I enjoy them, and respect them. Been a part of it, imparted to by many Pentecostals, prophetic, Sister Ruth Heflin, you name it, all the different ones. Revivals, Brownsville, Toronto, they're out here, and there's nothing wrong with picking apart their doctrine. We just don't want to accuse them and put a blanket accusation, legalistic judgment on anyone's soul at all unless you either confronted them about their doctrine or you pick and choose as a noble Berean what to avoid out of their doctrine and pick the good stuff, which is what I've done. And I do, and you can do it with mine. That's fine. Paul himself, Apostle Paul, 
amazingly commended the, the noble Bereans who were Jews for picking apart Paul's own teaching to see if it really lined up with the scripture, the Torah that they had written at the time. Amazing. So you have freedom to do that. It's part of working out your own salvation. If you find you have disagreements, even strong theological disagreements, right now I'd say that the the people who say they're in the LGBT, the gay community that say they're born-again Christian, that is a huge deal. you got to know that there's got to be grace without compromise or PC. There's got to be grace in everyone not to judge or accuse or ridicule or harangue or harass because you don't know what they went through, each one individually. Do not blanket everybody under one kind. Oh, they're all gay and they're all like that. It's the same in all, they're all black and they're all like that. No, they're not. All they're, and that don't mean homosexual, I mean straight or, you know, all blacks are not alike. That would be a prejudice statement. All Baptists, they're not alike. No, there's some that believe in this and some that don't. All Methodists, all whatever. Christians are not alike. Buddhists are not alike. Nobody is if you say Muslim, they're all, they're different. I have a Muslim, had a Muslim friend that stayed with me six weeks, Muslim Arab. We talked and talked. I wanted to learn more. She was so loving. And she was the kind that read her Quran every day. But she was not hatred. She was against war. She, she filled me in. And I realized, you know what? We don't, nobody even thinks about it, but... The, the Arab is part of the family of Abraham, which we do know that. But you have to remind people that he was Middle Eastern, Middle, that Jesus is Middle Eastern. He was not offended with a Middle Eastern person or a human or an Arab. When Paul goes up, he's kicked out of the fellowship, the first 12 disciples mentored by Christ because they were afraid of him. He was too different. He was the new kid on the scene, Maverick one of these new breed they didn't quite get him they didn't quite want him because he didn't fit their style which is what we're talking on he went up and he lived in Damascus Syria for 13 14 years well when Paul comes back and he writes this amazing encounter with the Lord and all the books of the Bible two-thirds of the New Testament nowhere does one time does Paul demean or put down or act afraid of anyone of the Arab community. He had no bone to pick with them. <laughs> so we have to say one by one, we evaluate everyone in James 3.17 over time. May take years. Don't trust anybody. Don't trust everyone. Your fellow Christian especially. Your fellow born-again Christian. I'll say it. Don't trust anybody. Just by your fruits you will know them. Not by their spooky fruits. Well, you might know something about them if they're spooky. But you want to know by James 3.17 and Galatians 5.22.23. So mom, mom, minister mom, she said, you know, when the old, when the, when the group that's looked down on, rejected the off-scouring of the world, which is an apostolic term given by Paul about himself and for this day, part of the description of an apostle is the off-scouring of the world, not just only signs and wonders, not just only being famous, not just only having a capital A, which Paul didn't use in Ephesians or anywhere, which means servant leader to me. So we look at the difference between teaching and the flagrancy and then the accuracy, and we want to go back to just being down to earth, just relatable. Servant leader, first church, house to house, nobody Everybody seeking God, everybody saying, you know, we don't know it all, but we're going to do our best collectively coming up with doctrines that are 
quality and healthy and relationship friendly. So mom would say, you know, the old group that's in place, everybody respects them now. They've got their publishers, they've got their books, they've got their rewards, they've got their knowledge out. Some of them more famous, some not. She didn't care about that part. But then the new group is like the kick to the, you know, they're disrespected, they're rejected for a long time. However, this is the part we're coming to. We needed to come to this part. Once that group that used to be formally disrespected gets to power, they may be tempted to be the big egos. We need to watch out for that. They may be, they may be tempted to be the nouveau riche. What is nouveau riche? I noticed that myself in America in the before the 80s all the people that grew up poor and hungry have been touched by God gifted by God graced by God and hard work and over time to make it big some of them have made it really big including Christians business and ministry however even though I was raised happily and I was raised I wasn't raised dirt poor we were middle income but we had our needs met all the time my parents worked hard and God blessed we always had food. We always had mom went shopping. You know, it was not ex big in our pocketbook, but it was a middle-class, healthy, stable income. No poverty, no hunger, no, you know, going to the system or anything. So that was his mercy to know what, you know, that thing. But they were white-collar. My parents were very educated, seminary trained, and had my mom had come from, I guess you'd say, more the aristocracy tradition of Roman patrician you know nobody taught they weren't proud but they were in a, a they were in they came from society where they helped formed a country club they played in a country club and yet my they were Christians within that community that business founders several insurance business on my mother's side and my mother was going to make her debut in society that's what kind of people they were and yet, because she was a Christian and got married and wanted to be a pastor's wife more, she didn't even want to do that. And see, I'm like that. I don't really care. But when you're not starving and you make it, you have more money, you know, you grow up and you want to make progress, be upwardly mobile, there's a society telling you your ministry. If you do have it, and when you get there, it's not a big deal to those. You don't have to put on any airs or show ostentatious living and prove you've got big bucks by driving them or you know this that or the other in fact I'm the opposite I grew up like I said in a in a well-off neighborhood we weren't rich but it was well off compared to many but I also knew as a Jesus person I didn't want to be in society I don't want to be in blue blood I don't want to have I wouldn't let my mother tell me my family pedigree she wanted to I try I, she tried it when I was 18 Thank goodness I knew the Lord. I said, I do not want to know. I do not want to care about what my relatives, who they were. Now I know they're from France and England. Basically, they had Tavo Church, and it comes from Monk's Corner. Ironically, Google Tavo Church. I will. I laugh because I like the pastor on the loud pastor. I watch him a lot. Is one of my go-to's. I have several many favorites, black and white. But the one from Monk's Corner gives me courage because I think maybe I need to be more bold because I came with my heritage, the French Huguenot from Monk's Corner, Stephen Furtick. I like him. <laughs> but I like a lot of them. I dropped that name, but I'll drop more another day.
So the idea is I'm not a bigot. I didn't come from that. But I came from people who just didn't want to put on, you didn't feel that having money, you don't have to have big money. You don't have to have money to have God's blessing to be blessed. And I still like that. I'm a godly contentment with great gain person. And I have lived through big trial in Texas worse than I've ever, never before like Texas, poverty. Do I... Do I feel bad? No. Do I feel ashamed? No. Do I feel I'm learning how people live in third world? I've been learning different things. When I had the rape attempt in the office, I knew Holy Spirit was there. It didn't really happen. It was a really bad thing. I filed the police report. But I realized, you know what? God gave me strength not to feel ashamed or embarrassed, to talk about it, to be open. I feel sorry for the person that treated disrespect relationships. He had disrespect for relationships for his family that he, when he did that and he had disrespect for substance abuse at the time which I believe was behind that really and he had relationship issues big time and then when I called the police and then reported it to the people who owned the building where I was subleasing the Christian office in through him those people came like a good old boy network their relationships were awful too and they came after me changed the locks on the doors they kept the Lord's stuff my car died all these things happened and then I just thought you know I gotta see it like perspective of Elijah I, I thought of Andrew Womack here's another name I'll drop I like him and his son died literally and he, he had faith that the Lord would raise him up and he did so I thought I'm learning how people in Venezuela people who don't have in, in migrant camps a taste of it not at all like that because see I had I never had no money I never had zero practically I never had car you know everything hit at once like that I've had big stuff but never in this level and I thought I've never been so joyful I've been given such joy such peace such calm that I can help other people and when I wrote about after the rape attempt after the weird two months where I didn't know anybody it was a new area I just thought I'm going to write it down and I filmed and all this stuff so that one day somebody can be unashamed see this is it I have no shame I am a it doesn't I feel sad for the person I, I felt like wow that was awful but Holy Spirit was there he told me what to do he told me to you know I told the guy no three times he kept on coming and he was under the influence of drugs and or drink or both I don't know so I said no and I thought wow this is weird so then I fled when he did it and he tried he didn't you know when he started to do what he shouldn't do I got out and I've texted my son but I thought this is like weird yet Paul went through his thing and I had no fear at peace and I just want to encourage you all not to be worked up by the devil that was it the devil the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. And the devouring starts inside your mind, Christian. It starts inside your life, in your fear realm, your anxiety realm, your worry realm, your anger realm, your unforgiveness realm. And I don't want that to move me at all, and it hasn't. I have a James 3.17. And, and the Lord said, don't, don't press charges. And so I haven't. And so right now we are just trusting God to restore. 
because when we got our things back, God allowed me to meet the Methodists that way. Amazing Methodists in Denton. Amazing. I'd never been with John Wesley descendants ever, especially on a long three-month basis. It was just a relief from doctrine. They are truly relationship-oriented. The most I'd met with, they, they don't even, are into, they avoid politics. They vote, they pray, but there's no political partisanship. That was a relief to me. You could be a Democrat or a Republican or nothing and go there. I was taking off from the big eye, little you of the area. I relaxed. I had fun. I enjoyed watching them because they had, uh, their skill was such that they had a traditional a couple of services. I had a friend that introduced me over there, a nice person. And she would sing in the traditional. I'd go there. And then they had a non-traditional with guitars. I'd go there. And then they had another one with traditional. I'd go there. I, I was taken off from the area. I had, I will say, I would go back anytime. Because I was so relieved not to have the big eye. Are they church hoppers? Who are they under? All this business and achievement. Hail fellow well met Christ following. Not relationship friendly at all. That's unfun. This was fun. Even though I'm really not a traditional person, I enjoyed watching because I respect them. And I listened to them. I had some good times and good memories and good sermons over there. Really good. So I would go again. I think, man, when I get to go back, I can't wait to take a dip back in the Methodist church. So the idea, nobody's got it all. Nobody's perfect. I don't. But listen, if Christ following isn't fun for you now, you need to go examine why and see where... Where am I fellowshipping, and why am I still there if they're that bad, and they can't get it right after all these years, and I've tried. So we're loyal to the Lord. We have our two from such turn away fellowships. If there's an emergency, if you feel it, if you really feel you've had it, you can't fellowship with humans because it's too sensitive. I've been there. OnlineFellowship.us, any other ministry. YouTube's got great stuff, a lot of worship, a lot of teaching. Podcasts, then let the Lord lead you. You want to find people you still connect with humans, which I do and always have, that are quality safe, but maybe you meet at the Barista Fellowship. Maybe you start something in your home, your own work. Maybe you do it out in the park somewhere, but don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints. Just because a few bad apples, a few caustic Christ followers happened your way. All right. I'm having fun. Listen, it has been the worst, in certain way, the worst trial of my life the last couple of years. It has also been the most joyful, liberating, freedom, fearless, and no violence. God is good. No violence from weird doctrine. That one time when I just related, you know, that was a weird thing. But hey, Paul had a lot worse. Paul had a lot more, and you move on, which I have. We count it all joy. It wasn't joyful, all of it at all. But people in this day and age go through so much attack. There are real rapes. There are real child molestations. There are real sexual traffic. It made me really empathetic for that. So all this thing works for the good. Romans 8, 28. For all things work for the good for those who love the Lord. You know, our biggest thing is all these weird things, sidetrack me, relationship issues out here, have sidetracked from me getting a lot on land. And that's what I would need, prayer power, prayer team. We're supposed to have a college, a Bible seminary. 
with has business other teachers beside me open multicultural on you know new things the law some hundred eighteen ministry supposed to be writing books by this time and and doing worship having I have a worship ministry who knows but um, when I'd come in the middle about four years ago six years ago when I was at the worst of doctrinal discovery and I found the healthiest place as a fellowshipping center was either the gym that I used to belong to Cooper Fitness that was my community safe from religion and law bias and then the Barista Fellowship. And so I think, let us pick the good things out of both of those and say, why do people go there and pay to join? So a few things good have come out of that, a lot of good. But the idea is you want a fellowship and you want to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's even the most important thing. So if the Lord says to you, I want you to do this today, do it. If he says, don't do that, don't go there, don't fellowship with that group, don't do it, because you will be sorry, believe me. And then we want to pray for everybody and for our nation, for this protection of our nation, for safety, for because of all the weird shooters and stuff, for your kids, for everybody. That's why it's important to be led by the Spirit right now, ongoing. The other part would be Daniel 2.28, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, Pray that God, the revealer of secrets, will uncover the enemy's plans before it happens. Years ago, there's another one, Proverbs 6, I believe, and it says, God will give you the knowledge of witty inventions. Well, a lot of people pray, believe that means invention, idea to make money. I'm not saying that's wrong, but when I researched it a few years ago, it says, God will give you the knowledge of the enemy's plans before they happen. We want to pray that now in full when the Lord puts it on your heart, do that, pray it. He will reveal beforehand any plans against the enemy. I was getting before this 20th year anniversary of Columbine, three or four months before I was getting pray against somebody wanting to start a Columbine anniversary big shooting. Lord, would you please reveal, would you please brock it? Well, you know, they found that girl that killed herself. They found, you know, they exposed it. So God answers. And I've done this through the years with terrorism. So God is a revealer. He has to reveal. You don't have to feel worry about it. Just do it when he says Daniel 2.28. Also, if you need to have him uncover something that is blocking you in your life, your marriage, your issue, and your business, that's a great verse for that too. These are helpful tips that I passed down from much usage through the years that have blessed me. He is the revealer of secrets. Nobody knows it all. Nobody has to know it all. All we need to do is meet God, and He can tell us. One thing I'd like is men. I deal a lot with men, and I understand. I really enjoy men because they can be very frank and very logical, and I'm for logic. And so I wanted to point this out. When you have, when you have Jesus Christ in your heart, and you know Him, and you know when He's there, His presence the Holy Spirit, a relationship with Him. If you have a problem and you can't get around it, and you don't know if you should use common sense and logic, human logic, to solve it, or go to the Holy Spirit and pray and ask for the mystery to be revealed about that problem, how to solve it, or stand on it and claim it, ask the Lord which one to use. That's so cool, isn't it? Lord, do you want me to just use common sense today on this? logic or do you want me to really seek you and get your 
particular verse or you know what you want me to do on it isn't that amazing so we can use both the natural and the supernatural without being spooky without being worked up by being very practical with God and our love of God hanging out with God it doesn't have to be this you know wound up religion all-knowing religion be natural I think that's the move of God really is just be yourself let Jesus Christ shine through you don't be so political that it is a big you know I don't want to be a Christian that's being out here in Texas red state Texas I really got in the last 10 years people think people are misguided because of media they think that if you invite Jesus into your heart and you are, quote, a born-again Christian, that automatically makes you turn into a Republican right-winger. I used to say Tea Party, but now that's faded. All right, don't confuse them. That's why I'm so careful and have slogans that I toss out that say, I'm trying hard not to be religious, and I'm not always right, because that is the truth. But I'm thinking people are, are mystifying and mistaking politics accuser politics really beat down politics dominating accusation politics name calling with Christ following and that's why I say I'm nonpartisan I'm a Christian nonpartisan I pray for both I am political in the fact I pray and I vote but that is my business who I vote for and that is yours who you vote for I'm not going to mix up politics grandstanding politics with Jesus Christ you know, one thing I did find that I'd been around, I used to say I'm a Baptocostal because that's, you know, you believe the Bible. You believe the book of Acts, including everything else in the New Testament. Without the law, you can be relate to people. You say you're part Costal and part Baptocostal. They're logical and they're down to earth and, you know, pretty calm. Well, then, lately after meeting the Methodists, over there, where I met them and I mentioned, man, I'm a Methodocostal because they're not political. And some of the Baptists are really more political. And I think that you, if we just realize that having a cause for our nation is good, unless it pits people as superior, morally, religiously right, that they are better than and then accusing people who are not like them and that means this message is for Christians so if we can say vote my theory is I thought all along why if you if the Christians go out and really love people and want them and welcome them respectful and invite them and they come and they're not going to be beaten up on the by the Bible or called false or ridiculed in public not by emotionalism or immaturity, then if they, they'll accept the Lord like Ephesians 4. They'll be transformed, and then God can tell them who to vote for and who not to vote for. So if you love them and woo them and they want to come and you're genuine, they may accept the Lord and eat with you and dine with you and hang out with you, and maybe God will speak to them, the Holy Spirit will, and he'll tell them what to vote for and who to vote for. I don't have to be anybody's boss. I don't have to be anybody's Lord. Let the Lord be Lord. I'll put out my selahs, but not religious dogma. And that includes this is a selah. All of this is a selah. One by one. Let's all remember. One by one, we're born by ourselves individually and particularly made by God. We grow up and we have choices. Do we invite Jesus? Do we accept Jesus into our heart or not? 
along the way we have we make choices about marriage and jobs and all these different things we have to hear about for ourselves and then on the last day of our life we lie down by ourselves again and go stand somewhere forevermore evermore alone by ourselves our choice is for us about Jesus or not and my picture is when you invite Jesus into your heart you close your eyes and you open them up and you're alive forevermore and it's joy it's fun and it's beautiful and bright and there is social all the people there of all the colors and races and all the different age you know all the different um generations that and people that have aborted their babies are there and lost their children young are there and all these people i've lost one i had one that was a miscarriage and he'll be there or she'll be there i can't wait everybody will be around 30 years old they say i don't know that i don't know that one but anyway it sounds interesting but fun is what i like fun and joy merriment however if you choose not to if you are not persuaded to you know if you don't feel it on you and you choose the other that's your choice we respect you but you don't want i love you enough to share that we don't want i don't want Jesus doesn't want you to wake up when you close your eyes on the final day of your life and you wake up and there you are you wake up and you all you hear is screams and feel pain and people in torment and it's completely black with fire burning all the time like sulfur. I went down into a cave with my family when my kids were growing up. We all went to a cave in Virginia where they hid the Confederate troops, Stonewall Jackson I believe, and so it turned out to be, I don't know if it was Wires Cave, but we went down, they took a candle. When we were down in the very bottom of the cave, they blew the candle out. It was the worst darkness, the thickest darkness. I couldn't see my hand in front of me or my children or anything. I wanted to get out, and it made me realize, it hit me, this is hell without the pain. This, no relationship, no social media, no TV, no video games for the rest of your ever, ever more who wants to go there? Who really wants to go there? And who wants to not warn people so they don't go there? Either your family, your friends, your network. So that's why I'm putting it out because everyone needs to think of the final day. We, we have said our phrase, be final day ready. Final day ready. FDR. Final day ready. Are you FDR? Because what if somebody comes up and is a shooter, a rage, road rage? God forbid for all of you and your family under the blood. But I'm saying you need to protect yourself just in case. You need to be ready because you don't know what's going to happen from now on out. And it could be millions of things happening. All right. Not to be a fear monger, but to be a common sense leader. I put this out for sober Selah. Sober, not spooky, not super spiritual, just trying to make you think so that you'll get the choice. And, uh, you know, it's your choice, not mine. I know where I'm going to go, and I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. I'm happy now, but hey, that's the good part about knowing the Lord, too. He gives you joy and a deposit, a feeling in His presence, and all these amazing things, supernatural, before you get there as a deposit of what to look forward to, and it's going to be fun. God bless you. You have a great day in the Lord. This is Tavo Diarcy, just one of God's children like you, and have a blessed day. God bless you. Bye-bye.